You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This being our Easter in June, I wanted to preach a fitting message. 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll begin reading in verse 12. And here's what we'll do. Uh, Would you read the even verses with me, and I'll read the odd verses on my own, okay? So let's start out all together on verse 12, and uh, go all the way through verse 20. Verse 20 is where we'll end, so we'll all end together on verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll begin in verse 12. Ready? Begin in verse 12 here. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. That deserves an amen. Oh, yes. Yes, Miss Janie, that deserves an amen there. But now is Christ risen from the dead? I'm going to explain what Paul is saying in this passage. He's kind of going back and forth, repeating himself at some times, wondering what, what is he, what's going on? What's the context here? We'll get into that. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll begin. Father, we love you and I need you. Lord, I I cannot preach this without you. If I have found grace in your sight, please use me. Help us, Lord, as a church to learn from your word, to be fed deep in our souls today so that our lives may be changed. Lord, if there is any here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, please save them this morning. Bring them to a point of decision where they know they must put their faith and trust in you. Thank you for everything that you have done for us. What a wonderful day that you have given us. Thank you for allowing us to live in a country where we can do this uh, in, in freedom and we don't have to worry. Lord, we have seen things over this past month uh, that have surprised us and shocked us, but we are thankful that you are not surprised. You are still in control. And Lord, no matter what may come, I hope that it can always be said of this church in Corpus Christi that we are just going to go forward and trust you no matter what may come. We ask this in your name. Amen. When I was growing up at the end of every year, uh, my dad's side of the family would meet at New Year's and we would uh, have a big celebration like a family reunion. And uh, maybe that sounds boring, but let me tell you, my dad's side of the family is Korean. So yeah, see, so you don't know what that means. Okay, so let me explain to you what a New Year's celebration, uh, a Korean New Year's celebration Uh, looks like. And even though my dad's side of the family moved 
from Korea to America over 50 years ago now. My dad came here when he was nine. He learned how to, he learned how to speak English from watching the Three Stooges. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so even though they moved here so long ago, Korean culture tradition is still quite prevalent in the family. And uh, that was obvious. So my mom, whenever we would go to this celebration, she would wear a hanbok, uh, which is like a traditional Korean garb, just always bright colors. And the colors mean certain things. And my mom's was always bright pink, and it has flowers on it. Um, and we would come together as a family. We would see everybody, you know, people that we hadn't seen in a long time, and try to engage in awkward conversations. And then all, all I cared about was the food. That was it. And Koreans do it right, okay? Just let me tell you that. Koreans do it right. I just went to a, a Korean barbecue restaurant yesterday, all you can eat. And they were staring at me like, this kid better leave quick. Uh, they were not making any money on me. Just good stuff. But every single New Year's, I mean, the spread. So uh, you didn't have bulgogi at that time, which is the traditional. There was a different main dish. But there was the, the sticky rice, you know, at clumps. Uh, I, don't, I don't want rice that falls apart. No, it needs to stick together. It needs to be humid, OK? Um, there was uh, something called kimbap, which is uh, seaweed. And then there's rice inside of it. And the seaweed is used as a wrap, OK? Uh, and then there's radish, there's spinach, there's some crab and stuff. So it's just, it's, it's, no, don't give me that look. <laughs> it's fantastic. You never tried it. There's chapche, which is kind of like a cold noodle dish. Uh, there, so it's called, it's called banchan is what it's called. Just all of it where there's just a, a little, what is that, what is that, what is that, what is that, what is that? And how do I get it all in me? That's, okay, that's banchan, okay? Uh, which is just all these side dishes. Kimchi? Yes. Oh, kimchi. Uh, and then, so our family was a little bit Americanized as well. So, um, you know, my sisters and then, you know, my dad married, married an American. That's why I have redheaded children. And then, um, you know, my, uh, my aunts and uncles, they married. So there was all this Korean food and Italian beef sandwiches. Uh, so the best was you took the Italian beef and you topped it with kimchi. But the main dish was something called dukuk. Okay, now not like quack quack. It's, <laughs> duck is uh, rice cake, okay? And uh, it was the soup. And it would come in these small little bowls. And I mean, you would eat it. And as soon as you would eat it, there was another one in front of you. And there was grandma, you know, just kind of waddling around and making sure, you know, did you finish? Did you finish? Yes, bowl. You would eat it again, bowl, okay? And then after you ate, grandma and grandpa would sit, usually in the living room. We would either do it at my Aunt Zanny's house or my Aunt Susan's house. And he would call all of the kids together. We would all be around there. And he and grandma would be sitting. And grandma would be in her humbuk. And he would be in his as well. And they would be sitting there on the couch, usually. And he would call his family, so his sons and daughters, from the oldest to the youngest. And what you would do is, as a family then, so he would call my dad. Uh, my dad's name is Su Yol. Uh, Su Yolche, and then there's Su Un and Su Guan, so, but they're all boys named Su, okay? Um, so, everyone who's laughing, I just learned a little bit more about you. I'm writing this down. Why do you think I have a camera here today? Okay, so he would call, he would call my dad, and uh, we would come, and my mom would be there, and then it was my brother, myself, and my two sisters. And what you would do is you would get down, oh boy, you would get down on your knees, okay? And, uh, okay, by the way, you eat to excess. Did I get that across? You eat to excess, okay? 
And then you get down and you do this. Now, as you can imagine, after you have eaten to success, uh, excess, this is one of the last positions you would want to be in for an extended period of time. It was impossible not to laugh. People would fall asleep. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. But you would, you would get down, and before you think we were engaging in false worship here, okay? It's, it's, it, was all, it was all Korean culture. It's all Korean culture, and Grandpa would pray over you. And then you would get up, and you would go, and you would hug Grandma, and Grandma would do one of those horrible Grandma kisses, you know? And you're just, yep, 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 love you too, love you too. And then you would go to Grandpa, and he would hand you an envelope with a $10 bill in it. Yes. This is awesome. And now what happened every year? What happened next? Two words, food coma. Somewhere, somewhere in the house, food coma would take place. So when you're five to 10 years old, you just kind of run with the program. Mom wears her hanbok, and so does the aunts, and so does grandma and grandpa. And you go and you eat to excess. You bow to the grandparents, cha-ching, and you sleep every single year. But as my brother and I grow older, I remember starting to ask, why, 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 why do we do this? Especially when the envelopes stop. Now why, now really why are we doing this? Apparently it only, it only came to a certain age. And there was one year we went and we got the sloppy kiss and went to grandpa and he just shook our hand and we're like, just because we're 21, we don't get, you know. We started asking, why do we do this? I mean, it's great, family time, good food, money. But why? Why does mom have to wear the dress? Why does mom wear the dress? It's an annoying dress. It kind of crinkles like aluminum foil, you know? And she would, she, and, you know, it's really, it's really like poofy. So I always remember she would sit up in the, in the front seat and it was like up. So like here. It's like, honey, where's the next turn? Oh, right, right there. So why, why that? What's with grandma and the soup? Seriously, as soon as we finish, soup. What's with grandma and the soup? And, and why do we bow to our grandparents? Right? Doesn't the Bible talk about that? And we start asking all these questions, okay? Now, it turns out there is a purpose behind all of it. So the soup, for instance. There's this Korean tradition that for every bowl of soup that you eat at New Year's, you add a year on the end of your life. So that's why grandma is shoving it. Okay, so when I'm 230 years old and I'm still pastoring here, blame grandma. <laughs> but I mean, if you're wondering why, like, why do Asians live so long and they still look 20? It's, it's dukuk, okay? So I'll give you the recipe. And rather than boring with all the other details, suffice it to say, each element of that day, the clothes, the food, the bowing, is all rooted in Korean culture. So it wasn't just some random chain of events, right? It wasn't just some uh, meaningless collection of things. There was a reason that drove everything, okay? So here's my question this morning. Why do we do this? Why do we do this, okay? Why do we come to church? Why do we dress up and we sing and we give and we, we plan our week around this? Why, why do we do that? Why do we read our Bibles? Not, not only we read our Bibles, we study our Bibles. Many of you mark your Bibles and you memorize your Bibles. Why do we do that? Sure, sure, okay. I think there's more to it than that. Why do we pray? I mean, think, think, think of it. We, we bring our most important burdens in prayer. 
I mean, the things that truly mean a lot to us, the, the most important things in our life, sometimes even life and death situations we bring in prayer. Why do we do that? Why do we listen to preaching? Have you ever asked that? There, there is no other profession, there is no other profession that could, that could happen in this mode, okay? No other at all. Can you imagine going to the dentist and him walking in? I'd like for you to turn in your x-rays if you would. And uh, we're going to look uh, right at that first bicuspid there. You see that? See that? I want you to mark that. I want you to mark that. Then I want you to look up at the gum line. See that? You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me? You do not floss. And if you don't start flossing, gingivitis. <laughs> and if it gets even worse, halitosis. You know what happens when hal nobody talks to you, nobody likes you, nobody's your friend. You would be <laughs> but you come here and you listen to me, and I, that's what I do. That's seriously what I do. That's why the, the Bible says to people out in the world, preaching is foolishness. It's to them that perish fool. What is he doing? And why are they just all sitting out there and, and taking it? Why are they listening to it? And, and they seem to be enjoying it. They shake their heads. I mean, even when he's, he's coming down on them personally, you're like, yep, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Why do we do that? Why do, why do we spend our time and energy serving the Lord? You know, for the majority of the world, Sunday is day off. Sunday is the day off. Yet you have all come here today. You woke up early to get here today. And it's not like you have nothing else to do. It's okay, you can be honest. It's not like you have nothing else to do. You have, you have, you're busy people, okay? And that's why, who was honest the other day? Abigail. Abigail was honest the other day. Brother Dustin and, and Miss Danielle's little girl, they get in the car and put her in the car seat, and she goes, Gammy and pause? No, church. Gammy and pause. She wants to go to grandma and grandpa's. No, church. Gammy and pause. <laughs> no, Abigail, we're going to church. Gammy and pause. Does, does that suddenly go away when you're an adult? How many times have you woke up and thought, beach? <laughs> no, church. And then beach. No, church. Church. Okay, so there's a lot of aspects in the Christian life when many people, including ourselves every now and then, why, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do they do that? The answer to all of those questions, we come to church we read and study our Bibles, we pray, we listen, we serve, we happily identify as Christians for one reason. Jesus is alive. That's why. We serve a risen Savior. The truth that Jesus Christ is alive makes me glad to come to church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It makes me yearn to search my Bible, learn more about him. It makes me desire to serve him more and more, happy to identify with him. Makes me want to watch daily for his return. You can talk about the day of the Exodus. You could talk about the flood. You could talk about 1492. You could talk about uh, July 4th, 1776, even though it was technically July 2nd, 1776. You could talk about Armistice Day. You could talk about VJ Day. You could talk about when Armstrong landed on the moon. But the most important day in human history happened just a little less than 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ rose again in power and glory as savior of the world. In one act of resurrection, one act, Jesus changed everything.
Could you imagine if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? That's what's happening in, the, in this passage that we just read. Okay, so the Corinthians believed the gospel. They believed that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. They believed that. However, there were some who didn't believe that Christians would one day rise from the dead as well. That Christians would one day have, go to heaven and that their, their bodies would be glorified. So think of, excuse me, think of 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, what Paul says to the Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Then, uh, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, right? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So some of the Corinthians didn't believe that. Christ rising again from the dead? Sure. Christians? No. No way. I mean, that just seemed, they just seemed to believe that once a Christian died, that was it. That was it. I mean, there was just no way that a dead body could rise again from the dead. There's no way. Okay, so there's just one problem with that. If it's impossible for a dead body to be raised again, then how was Jesus alive? Are we following? Okay, that's nonsense. You can't choose to believe that people can't be raised from the dead while believing that Jesus was raised from the dead. You can't do that. Look in verse 13. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. That's just how it would work. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then there's no resurrection of the Lord. Period. Now, Paul takes a lot of time answering this false belief throughout the chapter. I encourage you to read it. But before he just shoots down this ridiculous thought that there is no resurrection of the dead. He humors them for a little bit. Okay, what, what if they were right? What if there was no resurrection of the dead? What if Jesus was still dead? Where would we be if Jesus was not alive? Well, the first thing Paul says, this whole preaching thing would be pointless. He says our preaching is vain. If Christ be not risen, look in 14, then is our preaching vain. You know what vain means? For nothing. If Jesus is dead, why are, why are we preaching? Now that word preaching can be talking about one of two things. It could be talking about what I'm doing right now. What is the point of what I am doing right now if Jesus is dead? Well, people could say, well, you can encourage us and you can uh, uplift us, and you can entertain us, and engage our minds to deeper thinking. That's not preaching. That's a TED talk. If you're, look, if you're looking for a preacher that is only going to tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear, I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. The Lord has called me to something deeper than that. I'll be kind. I'll be patient. I'll keep things lively. I'll try to keep things interesting. I had people coming up and say, you know, the Sunday night, the Sunday night series. I hope the Sunday night series is helping you. You know, because a lot of people read Judges and they think, boring. No, 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 no. Just wait until we get to First Chronicles. You're going to think, I never thought, never thought. It's, it's, there's always something. I'll keep things interesting. I hope you leave here challenged and provoked to think. I'll even tell a story or a joke every now and then for you to laugh and smile. Sure. But my main purpose 
as your pastor is to watch for your soul and preach the word so that you are prepared to meet God. That is what I'm here for. Now, if God is dead, what's the point? If God's dead, what are we doing here? If God's alive, are you ready? And that's why I encourage you, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If you're faith, listen, listen. There's only so much I can do from 11 to noon for your soul one time a week. There's only so much I can do. There's only so much the Lord can do if you're only giving him that amount of time. Lord, you have that one hour throughout the week to speak to me. You know what the Bible calls that? Tempting God. If God's dead, I'll go back to banking. No, I, don't, I didn't like banking. Maybe I'll, go to, maybe I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll open up that restaurant that I always wanted to open. I want to open up a restaurant called I Don't Care, You Choose. So that for every husband who says, honey, are you hungry? Yes, I'm starving. Where would you like to eat? I don't care, you choose. I'm making money. <laughs> and I'll serve duckook so that we can live forever. You can spend your Sundays doing whatever. You can golf. You can, you can go to the lake. You can go to the mall if you don't like yourself that much. Okay, but let's stop wasting our time listening to preaching if Jesus is still dead. How about this? Preaching could also be talking about what we're all supposed to be doing as a Christian. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So can you imagine sharing the gospel, going forward with the gospel if Jesus is dead? Let me tell you a story, Jeremy. Let me tell you a story of a man who came down to earth and he lived a sinless life and he made the lame to walk and the blind to see and he performed miracles. One time he fed over 5,000 people at one time and then the day came where he died and he was buried. The end. We're thinking, what? No, 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 there's something more, something more to that, right? Can you, ima can you imagine baptism? Can you imagine baptisms if Jesus, if Jesus was still dead? Lewis, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death. A local pastor is in prison today for drowning yet another one of his people. Okay, so do we remember what, the go what, what does gospel mean? What does the word gospel mean? Good news. So if Jesus is still dead, what's good about the news? What's good about the news if Jesus is still dead? If Jesus is still dead, Calvary wasn't a place of victory. It was the place of complete failure. Why would we listen to preaching if there's no God to meet? Why would we preach the gospel to every creature if the subject of that gospel was defeated by death? If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. How about this? Forget about preaching. What about our belief? What about our faith? What's the point of even believing if Jesus is dead? Your faith is also vain in verse 14 if Christ is dead. Faith or belief, whatever you'd like to call it, doesn't mean anything unless it's based upon truth. There are people who believe the earth is flat. You can believe that all you would like. It's not true, so it doesn't mean anything. No matter how sincere your belief may be, you may have a t-shirt. You may be a part of the blog of the Flat Earth Society. 
to cut the cumberer of the round earther down. If you ever are, are bored, go to flatearthsociety.org. You will have fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. So, uh, okay, unless something is true, belief in that something doesn't do any good. And if Jesus is still dead, then his gospel is not true. If Jesus is still dead, then his gospel is a lie. Because Jesus himself taught his disciples, I am going to suffer many things, I'm going to be killed, but then I'm going to rise again after three days. So if Jesus is still dead, then he lied to his disciples. Have you ever had somebody lie to you? Straight up, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Are you alive? Okay, no, 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 wait, wait here, I'm, talk I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, do I look good in this outfit? And they say yes when they should have said no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when somebody looks you in the eye, straight face, tells you something, and then you find out sooner or later they lied to me. It wasn't some misunderstanding. It's not that they didn't give you the whole truth. They give you none of the truth, and they knew it when they were doing it. How easy is it to trust that person again? Now we forgive. We need to forgive. Because if, if you don't trust people who lie, don't trust yourself. So we need to forgive. We don't need to hold on to bitterness. But let's be honest, with our human flesh, how easy is it to trust that person again? It's difficult. Trust is earned. And when trust is broken, and trust is a very fragile thing, it breaks into a lot of pieces. And sometimes you lose those pieces. But woe be unto us if we don't try to rebuild it. That's what I'm saying. So if Jesus lied about rising again, how can we believe that anything else he said was true? It's a pretty big deal. Paul goes further. If Jesus is dead, then everyone who preaches and testifies that he's alive is also a liar. If Jesus is dead, that means we're still under the penalty of sin. We are all going to hell today if Jesus is dead. Think about it. If he couldn't overcome death himself, how is he going to help you overcome it? Oh, and one more thing. If Jesus is dead, that means every person who has ever died believing in Jesus Christ is gone forever. We're never going to see them again. So if Jesus is dead, there's no point in preaching. There's no point in believing. We're all just floating around on this big blue ball, or maybe a, a, a flat blue thing, in space, waiting to die and rotten to the ground. And there's no purpose, no plan, no reason for anything. Are we depressed yet? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to depress you this morning. Look in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Do you remember that story of the men walking down the road to Emmaus? Right? What do they think right now? They think Jesus is dead. And they're walking down and their spirits are low. They're down and who comes right behind them? Now they don't know it at the time. And he asks, why are you so sad? Why are you like this? Why do you look so miserable? Can we put it that way? They said, well, we thought that Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's dead. And because he's dead, he can't be the Messiah. 
He did great works. He was an amazing teacher. Uh, we truly believed he was the son of God, but how can the son of God be dead? And what does Jesus do? He looks back at them with all the love in the world, says, fools, have you not read your Bible? And he starts from Genesis and goes all the way through scripture, how Jesus must needs suffer and how he must needs be crucified and, and buried, but then how he would rise again. He was known from them in breaking of bread, vanishes from their sight, and they say, did our hearts not burn within us as he talked to us along the way and opened to us the scriptures. And they run, they find the 12 disciples and those that were among them. And what do they say? Jesus is risen Indeed, he is alive. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 all through the beginning. He was seen of many witnesses. He was seen of Paul in a special circumstance on the road to Damascus. He was seen by sometimes over 500 people at a time. That was a hallucination, is what people say. A month-long hallucination with 500 people at the same time. I'm not here to try to convince you that Jesus is alive. He is. He is. It's not up for debate. He is alive. Now, here is the main point of the message. I can understand ignoring preaching if Jesus is dead. I can understand not being a witness if Jesus is dead. I can understand living in doubt if Jesus is dead because he didn't tell the truth. I can understand being miserable if Jesus is dead because this world is not easy. This world is falling apart in front of our very eyes. You don't turn on the news anymore. You can't. This world is going to hell right now. I tell Tracy, I don't want to go out anymore. I don't want to go out anywhere. I want to stay at home because I can't go to the mall. I can't go to Target. I can't go to a restaurant. I can't go anywhere without having to be like this the whole time. You can't look anywhere. You can't, you can't do anything. can't go anyplace. Music is blaring. God is blasphemed everywhere. Death destruction, mayhem, everything just crumbling out of control. I can understand being miserable if Jesus is dead. If he's dead, then he's not divine. If he's dead, he's not ruling and reigning. If he's dead, he's not the way, the truth, and the life. If he's dead, then we're still in our sins. There is no mansion over the hilltop, but no, 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 no. He is alive. He's not dead. He's not here. He is risen. He is, he, he is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. You know what that means? He paved the way so that we can follow after. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If I go to prepare a place for you, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that, there I, that where I am, there ye may be also. Take it to the bank, write it in stone. You can stake your life on it. You can do more than stake your life on it. You can stake your eternity in it. I have it on the highest authority that Jesus is alive. So here's my message for you this morning. Live like he's alive. Why do so many Christians walk around living like Christ is dead? 
ignoring preaching, not being a witness, living in doubt instead of faith, and just miserable. Why do we do that? Isn't he alive? Then live like he's alive. If Jesus is alive, I, preaching isn't vain. I need preaching. I need somebody to love me enough to look me in the eye and say, Johnny, here's where you're wrong. Put your toes out. Let me step on them. Brother Love Day is always the first one. He'll, he'll come up to me limping. You stepped on my toes today, preacher. I need somebody who will do that so that my life matches God's word when I stand before him someday. Give me all you got. You say, Brother Johnny, you listen to preaching? I try every day. I need preaching. I listen to it all the time. We live in a world where preaching is viewed as unimportant, uncivilized, unprofitable. So that's why we have TED Talks now. Let's get rid of, get rid of this. Can I have a stool? Do we have a stool here? I can take the tie off so I can actually breathe, and we'll just have a little chat session. That's what we'll do. And I'll just tell you that Jesus loves you, and he cares for you, and it doesn't matter what you do, he'll take you just as you are. Now listen, God will take you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just the way that you, you are. Every single person, God is too big to come into somebody's life without changing it. And how dare we come to the throne of grace with all of our sin and say, Lord, I want all your benefits while keeping all of this. No, sir, that's not how it works. The straight and narrow way is too small for you and your will and you and your sin and you and your music and you and your dress standards and you and your all of that. Nope, it's not big enough for that. It is big enough for you and the Lord and his will. That's it. I need somebody who will make sure when I stand in front of God someday, I don't stand there like those people in Matthew who say, whoa, 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 didn't we, didn't we do it right? Didn't we do it right? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do many mighty works in your name? And he looks back and says, I never knew you. No, 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 no. I want to be like 1 John where it says we can have boldness in the day of judgment. You ever gotten called into the principal's office? Oh, man, it's the worst you're sitting out there and it takes forever. Your knees are knocking together. And you're just, you're going over the past week. What did I do? What did I do? Now, I was a troublemaker. I was thinking, what didn't I do? Which, which one of the things that I did, did I get called in here for? And of course, it was never the thing that, that was. He would say, I called you in for this. And you go, oh, okay. And then he goes, what else did you do? Ah, oh, man. How do you think standing in front of God is going to be? But the Bible says when we follow God's word, when we, when we are the people we are supposed to be, when we love the way that we should, we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, we love others, we can have boldness in the day of judgment. You're meeting God in one minute. Are you ready? Put yourself in that position. Are you ready? I'd like to help you. I'd like to help you as your preacher. I'd like to help you as your pastor. I need preaching. We all need preaching. If Jesus is still alive, we all need to preach. If Jesus is still alive, that means he's coming again. That means we need to go forward with the gospel. That means the night comes when no man can work. That means go ye into all the world. That's talking to all of us, every single believer. Our job as a Christian is to go forward with the gospel like he's alive, not withhold it like he's dead. 
If Jesus is alive, then my faith is not vain. My faith is strong. My faith is steady. My faith is stable. He has given me no reason to doubt him. Why would I live in doubt and fear when Jesus is alive? What can men do to me? When my Savior is alive, all the trouble that confronts my life has to bow before the Savior that sustains my faith. He's done everything he said he would. He's everything he's ever claimed to be and more. If I believe that he rose again, why would I doubt that he's watching over me? If Jesus is alive, then no matter how bad things may get, I can have hope. We talked about it a little in Sunday school. I talked about it yesterday with somebody. Basically saying, do you realize what Christians go through in this life? If Jesus is dead, why would we choose to be a Christian? Why would we go through the persecution? Why would we deal with the questions? Why would we deal with all, why? Why would we do that? You know how difficult it is to go to those family reunions and have to explain to them, no, this is why we don't do this. That's why we don't do that. No, that's why the kids aren't going to go here and they're not going to go there. And you go to your, your coworker and your coworker, why do you do that? And why do you do this? And you're constantly mocked, ridiculed, mocked, ridiculed. Just a, just the heads up here, Christians are kind of the punchline. Why would we do that if Jesus is dead? If Jesus is dead, we are of all men most miserable. But what happens is we forget Jesus is alive. So if Jesus is alive, even when I'm 30 years old and things are going crazy, I have 40 more years to live, maybe 50 more years to live of Christian persecution. That is a drop in the bucket to eternity that the Holy Spirit has prepared for me. But when people get their eyes off of eternity, they think, I can't do 40 more years of this. And they quit. They quit on a risen Savior. No, live like he's alive. Can I just put it in a nutshell right here? If Jesus is dead, why listen to preaching? If he's alive, why ignore it? If he's dead, why tell others about him? If he's alive, why stay silent? If Jesus is dead, why have faith? If Jesus is alive, why live in doubt? If Jesus is dead, why have hope? If Jesus is alive, why be miserable? Live like he's alive. The Savior of the Bible is not dead. He's risen Here's another question, I'll be done. Is he your savior? Is he your savior? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? Let me ask you this. If he is powerful enough to rise again from the grave, don't you think he's powerful enough to save you from your sin if you would ask him? Christian, if he is your savior, live like he's alive. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.